Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional uh, who has moved into the uh, social sector area, Mr. Sanjay Purohit. Sanjay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Sanjay is the chief curator of a societal platform, Ixtech Foundation, which uh, works on a systemic method to resolve complex societal challenges with speed at scale and sustainably. Uh, worked for several corporates for the last three decades and is passionate about mentoring startup entrepreneurs. So Sanjay, let's talk about uh, Ixtech Foundation. Tell me about this venture. So Xtep Foundation is the foundation of Rohini and Nandan Nilekani, which they also co-founded along with Shankar Marwada. Mm -hmm. The primary uh, objective of the foundation is to enable uh, societal change at scale. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that foundation, uh, we work in the area of education. We work in the area of different kinds of uh, digital public technologies. And we have been furthering this idea of societal thinking and societal platform, which is where my focus and my energy is to saying, how do you drive large scale systemic change using platform thinking? Wonderful. So, you know, uh, when you say, uh, and I'll quote your phrase, which is systemic method to resolve complex societal challenges with speed at scale sustainably, uh, help me understand this with an example and also tell me a little bit about what are some of these complex societal challenges. So if you look at um, the, the challenges that lie ahead of us, uh, they obviously uh, can be characterized through, for example, the sustainable development goals, mm -hmm. or they can be characterized by important human development indicators uh, or they could also be simply characterized by sectors such as education, healthcare, sanitation, urbanization, justice, livelihoods. Mm -hmm. Each of these areas, um, and especially when you look at a country like India, uh, our challenges are very large uh, because in India, obviously, the size and, and the dimensions of the country um, require us to think about scale and large issues in a very different way. Second is that they're complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of the diversity and the interplay between socioeconomic factors, our history and so on, it makes it very difficult to predict what would be the outcome of a societal change. And hence it's complex. And third, it is dynamic because we are a rapidly growing and evolving country. And so obviously things change, whether because of uh, policies, uh, political transitions or even economic transitions. And so when you're in a situation, it's like a perfect storm where you have a large, complex and dynamic situation. How do you drive change? Mm -hmm. The classical uh, construct is to identify a specific problem, for example, say teacher training in education or remote healthcare access in case of healthcare, select a small geography, do a pilot uh, and prove that your idea works and then go about sort of replicating it again and again. Mm -hmm. But now if you place this in the context of something that is large, then replication could take many lifetimes because it's not so easy to replicate across a country of 1.3 billion people. 
The second is if it is complex, then replication will have challenges of diversity because you know something that you designed in Nagaland lands up in uh, in uh, say Trivandrum, it is going to be extremely hard uh, to replicate. And third, of course, it's dynamic. By the time you get cover say a tenth of the country, things would have changed. So how do we do this? And that is the challenge that we are trying to sort of work with saying, how do you drive something systemic such that you can address such problems for a country like India, not only India, if you take this to Africa, if you take it to Latin American countries, or if you take it to Southeast Asian countries, it would potentially be no different because in the end, these are fundamental human challenges uh, and still they have a very different character. Correct. So, you know, again, for my viewers and listeners, if you can help me understand uh, one of the challenges that you're working on, if it's not confidential, uh, and just take me through uh, the whole process. Sure. So let's look at, uh, probably let me take an easier field such as education, because everybody understands education. So one of the problems that we started picking up was saying, if you go to two schools in any country, you will find that they are dramatically different in their performance, even under the same circumstances. So maybe the same kind of people from extremely challenged backgrounds, say, for example, migrant labor in India, or same kinds of budgets because the, the government schools have a very small budget outlay or same capacity of teachers. But one school does extremely well and one does not. Uh, so why? And so we started unpacking that problem way back in 2016. And realize that the leadership of the school makes a massive difference. Who is the person leading that school? Uh, their ability, their entrepreneurship, their ability to get support of the community, get their resources organized. And we said now India is a country of 1.5 million schools. So what does that mean? And on an average, if a school is run by three leaders, um, some senior teachers, uh, head teachers, etc., then we're talking of four and a half million leaders. How do you design a leadership development program for four and a half million leaders? was the problem uh, statement to saying, how do we solve this? Anyways, over 16, 2017, 2018, spending a lot of time on the ground with the teachers, we realized that they need four important uh, capabilities. One is the ability to sense what's going on in the classroom, in the school, in a cluster of schools, in a district, in a block, in a state, because the sensing mechanisms are very, very poor. Second is, even if you're able to sense, you can't make sense compared to other schools, compared to my past performance, compared to best of the schools, benchmarks. How am I doing? How do I make sense of what's going on? Third is that I have realized that my challenges are in area one, two, three, but I have no mechanism to learn. What should I do? How do I learn? And the last was saying, having learned, I need that motive power to actually make an improvement because in the end, if we don't improve. And so... So we launched on this technological backbone or a platform, if you will, which allows people in the education sector to sense, make sense, learn and improve. So one of the other co-founders of Infosys, uh, Shibulal, uh, he decided to sort of set up a, a small venture where we started developing this technology to saying, how do you sense, make sense, learn and improve? And how do you put this in the hands of four and a half million people as a public good, as a free resource, not as a commercial paid service, right? So, so that got created. 2018, uh, it went out. Um, today, where we stand, uh, we operate uh, in 10 states uh, with about four and a half lakh uh, school leaders, four lakh four hundred fifty thousand, if you will, uh, school leaders who work in making improvements. And it's growing at a very rapid pace. Recently, we went and extended into UP. We have extended to Bihar. And the and the simple thing is, how do we help them 
sense make sense learn improve but obviously it's not as simple as that then you have to design programs you have to work with the system you have to work with the government you have to create policies you have to create motivations incentives so that is what makes it systemic so if you look at this narrative that i shared with you then there are three important things that are happening here one there's a shared digital backbone that is getting created right is a shared infrastructure it's like the internet it's like yes right it's the backbone on top of that, there are about 140 NGOs who are looking and saying, oh, I can use this backbone and create solutions wow. because what works in different parts of the country is very, very different. Mm. And then on top of that, there are programs running, which are adoption programs, along with uh, the government, the ministries, the different uh, state level um, government systems to say, how do we get this adopted? How do we spread the knowledge? How do we... So it's obviously a, a very interesting systemic journey because the entire system is involved. And I am not at all claiming any sort of success. These are long journeys. We have just begun. But the point is we are trying, starting to see change, not see change in 10 schools or 20 schools. We are starting to see change in hundreds of thousands of schools. And that is what the whole point is. Make a small change, make a micro improvement in many schools and slowly slowly the equilibrium starts shifting um so i hope it gives you a sense of an example it does but then i also want to ask you a related question that when you are working in 10 states with across 450,000 schools which are across multiple cultures what are some of your challenges yeah so i think firstly the whole design is such that it's it's solving together at scale, which means that I would not claim to say that I am working in these states. It's an ecosystem of many actors who are galvanized by this common backbone who are working in these states. Because if I was to say that I know what it takes to work in 10 states, I would be wrong because honestly, I don't know. Uh, but my, uh, my partners in crime, they know, they are there on the ground with the people, they, they understand what is required to be done. So I think if I was to look at the challenges, the first important challenge is, how do you even bring people along on such a narrative? That this is a way to do things, right? I, I shared this, uh, this simple example saying, when you're designing something like this, mm -hmm. it's important to understand that an elephant is not a big mouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, and 2,000 mice is not an elephant either. Correct. If you truly wanted an elephant, then you have to design that elephant in the embryo so that it grows up to be one. And so when we design it in the embryo, others say, why are you doing this? There are proven ways, there are tested methods that have been done, right? I, I can tell you how to improve a school. And, but my question is, yes, you, you probably can tell me how to improve a school, but I want to know how to improve 450,000 schools simultaneously. Mm. And that's a different system, right? So, so getting this narrative across, bringing people along is, of course, a very, very difficult task. Second is, how do you sustain this? Because it takes a lot of energy to keep the... So people talk of systems change. I'm sure you would have heard this term many times. And we did change. I'm saying our challenge probably is change systems. Hmm. That the system is able to continue that pace of change by itself uh, with the agency of the actors, that's extremely hard because people change, things move. Uh, it's like, it's like you know, in, in India, there's a famous saying that in winters, if you have a short blanket, uh, then if you cover your head, your feet come out. And if you cover your feet, your head comes out, right? So, so the question is, when you're dealing with a large system, how do you constantly orchestrate, constantly connect um, is the second one. And third and the last one, of course, is 
how do you practice decentralized leadership? Because this something of this type, you have to, the only way to succeed is to let go of leadership rather than uh, assume it because the leadership has to be at the endpoints, at the nodes, uh, rather than any central entity. And neither uh, our work, our organization, or even our partners, for that matter. Ultimately, the leadership has to be expressed by the by the leader inside the school, and so you have to constantly push that out. Um, and that obviously is not easy because uh, you know people feel a sense of challenge in terms of control, in terms of the ability to influence. It's a very complicated topic to sort of drive leadership. Fascinating. You know, I, Sanjay, I just love the two examples you gave me of the mouse and the elephant and the blanket in winter. I mean, this is amazing. And obviously, you are a good storyteller. But you know, uh, you have spoken to me about you spoke about the, the the sustainable sustainable development goals of the United Nations. There are seventeen of them, and you said education is one of the areas that you are working on. Uh, which of the other areas of the SDGs uh, is XTEP for focusing on? Um, again, I would I would sort of preface it by saying that XTEP focusing on is is not the philosophy. The philosophy okay. is. Uh, we essentially provide a way, a method. The societal platform is not a technology. It is a method okay. which different organizations focus on these SDGs. So across my, my portfolio of work, for example, education is the one we shared. Even XTEP does massive. This was the example I gave you was the second foundation on education. XTEP itself, which I did not quote as an example, is an education-focused foundation. But then let's continue this into a lifelong learning journey. So skilling. Uh, is a second area that we work. How do you skill and create employment opportunities for millions of people across the country? Then we work in financial inclusion, right? Is to saying, how do you ensure that people uh, are able to get their livelihoods um, uh, because of the kind of um, job as well as financial instruments, whether it's insurance savings and those kinds of, how do you help people so one of the platforms we work with, which is called Avanti Finance, is a platform that is focused on um, how do you provide um, affordable credit to improve livelihoods of 100 million first-time formal borrowers, people who have never formally borrowed money before, right? Who the normal circumstances never get the money. Mm. We work in healthcare, so there's a project called Echo right next door to where you are, uh, which is focused on um, how do you uh, democratize healthcare knowledge. Uh, for example, when COVID hit, uh, Echo was the platform used to develop 600,000 healthcare professionals in India to deal with COVID. Mm. It's a work initiative, works with 34 countries uh, in the area of applying this kind of thinking of building networks, building platforms. Then we work in the area of water through one of the other foundations called Arkham, where the idea is water security for 100 million families. Uh, we work in areas such as urbanization through e-governments foundation, and we also uh, work with a lot of uh, social entrepreneurs, so to say, collectives. For example, Ashoka Fellows. Mm -hmm. So we have a program running with 30 Ashoka Fellows across 14 countries in the world, mm -hmm. where we are taking this way of thinking into the work they do. They work in justice, they work in uh, neurodiversity, they work in healthcare, education, uh, forest ecological conservation. So, so um, the whole idea is that, uh, there is a method, there is a there is a construct in how you think of these things. We call it societal thinking. Mm. We apply societal thinking to build societal platforms. Mm. And this is a, a tacit knowledge which has been constructed to become an explicit construct. Mm. 
which we take to different social entrepreneurs as well as sometimes governments uh, and different kinds of organizations to actually say apply this and see if you can solve the problem systemically with speed at scale sustainably wow. that's the whole approach fascinating and uh, your role as chief curator would my definition of you being the conductor of an absolutely incredible orchestra be correct um i think i would stay with the curator and i'll tell you why I understand. because, um, because um, i believe that how to do this the knowledge and the experience resides in the ecosystem okay. and my job is i'm not i'm not a scientist or a fresh innovator i'm just connecting the dots mm-hmm. i am just finding out uh, what people are doing and help them make this this connection saying oh yeah but but this is not new but the connections are making me think about it in a different way so curation is the the task of finding things finding what connects and actually making the connects and that's why i i stick with saying i don't think i am i am bringing something new to the world i think i'm connecting what lots of people hundreds of people are bringing through their lived experiences and that's why i i read in the curated place fascinating fascinating so moving on uh, you know when i was reading about you and about the organization uh, and you know there's talk of collaborating and co-creating and you also said you're building an amazing infrastructure which uh, will allow or enable large numbers of organizations to be able to tap in and find ways and means of working together i'd love to understand from you what are the advantages of collaborating and co-creating for individual societies and organizations so um let me uh, let me sort of explain this with an example say like a different sector than education given that we have spoken about education let's take let's talk about say healthcare now in healthcare um, one could go ahead and develop the healthcare protocol all over again and again and again correct but that would not use so collaboration would come handy if you built a vaccine in one country another country can use it and if you build a certain and then you remember all the discussion around intellectual property around vaccines etc so the question is how do you ensure that you are able to uh, share assets and assets means what assets means knowledge assets means technology assets means uh, uh, connections networks of people uh, assets means processes protocols assets means data so if you can conceive that situation when we're dealing with large and complex problems uh, it is obviously going to be humongously effort intensive to do this again and again so the first big advantage is to create a shared bank of our shared foundation of assets mm-hmm. easier said than done because most of the time people are extremely protective about their assets and the creation of public goods or creation of open assets is is a journey mm-hmm. but i think collaboration is is the way to sort of bootstrap if we are to achieve our sustainable development goals by 2030 mm-hmm. and if you need that speed there is no way but to to reuse whatever others are building because if everybody was to build it again we won't make it um, anywhere with the pandemic with a setback of what 10 years we have a long journey to go to mm. so collaboration essentially i look at it as something which gives you speed which gives mm. you but it may not help you dag- at, uh, address diversity because just because you create an asset and i take it and i use it doesn't mean i can use it in my context and that's where co-creation comes in because co-creation means i'm going to take what you have done i want to change it mm. um uh, and not only change it which is customization 
maybe A plus B equals C, which is something very different from either A or B, right? And maybe you and I will work together to create C. So, so and I am quoting Professor Venkat Ramaswamy, who is one of the people from whom I learned uh, co-creation as a construct, who said that everybody focuses on the co, the complexities in the creation, right? Which is getting messy, breaking things up and reassembling them. So I think co-creation allows us to address diversity. So if we want scale, then we have to move with speed and we have to be able to address diversity. And that is why it's extremely important to leverage both collaboration and co-creation, one for speed and the other for diversity. Fascinating. So uh, Sanjay, I've got time for only one more question. I wish I had much, much more time. But you know, you also speak about uh, supporting social change leaders. And, you know, you do, do this across civil society, governments and markets as they solve problems. Uh, please help me understand how you do this with an example. So I do this in three ways. One is uh, I participate in many incubators. Mm -hmm. The Nudd Center for Social Innovation. Um, I run an incubator of my own called Edumentum, where young social entrepreneurs who are trying to make a massive difference, um, they could have done many other things, they have brilliant talent, but they decide to work in the social areas. So how do we ensure we give them the mentoring, the networks and the ability to actually work in difficult social problems? Um, that is one mode. And the second mode is where I uh, actually help them think about scale, because most of the time when people think, talk about scale, they actually talk about growth. So they'll say, I'm working in 10 schools, I'm scaling, I'll work in 50 schools next year and saying, no, no, you're talking about growth. You will mm -hmm. grow 10 to 50. Mm -hmm. Scale means you tell me what's the size of the problem and what percentage of the problem are you handling and are you designing yourself? These are young people, 26, 27, 28 year olds. Correct. And I said, you have the runway. If there is any hope that these problems will get solved, it is in your hands because you have 50 years of work life left ahead of you. I don't, right? So, so I spend a lot of time to help the young leaders think about scale because if they think about scale, it's the whole elephant and the mouse story again. If they think about scale now, then 20 years later, they will crack the problem. But if they start thinking about scale 20 years later, then, then they will not crack the problem because they would have built the mouse already. Uh, so, so that's the second, which I, I participate in design. And the third important aspect I, I try to do um, is essentially identify some of the senior leaders who have been in the sector for the longest of the times, for example, Ashoka Fellows or people who have been entrepreneurs or seal entrepreneurs and help them see if there is a way to pivot what they are doing rather than uh, because there is so much of experience there. But if they could just pivot that experience and apply it to large problems of our country, mm -hmm which they're already passionate about. So I think here is a knowledge bank, here is a way of thinking. If I can help you pivot, then the, the multiplication factor of what you're doing would be extremely high. So I would say this, fresh incubation, think about scale and the large the experience, solid, great leaders, can I help them pivot? Wow, what an amazing conversation, Sanjay. I mean, we have to stop now, but uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me at such length about the societal platform X-Step Foundation. And uh, thank you for all these incredible stories and examples that you've given. I mean, I, with your permission, I may quote them, uh, giving you credit <laughs> in some places. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege. All the very best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom 
of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.